Thanks. This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Welcome along to Wednesday. What a dismal start I've had to the day today. I'll tell you about that a little bit later on. Uh, freeze your chicken to avoid food poisoning, but I'm assuming that the chicken's already been frozen. Are you allowed to refreeze it again? Most stuff has been... Fr- they say most meat on supermarket shelves could be anything up to two years old. Because what they do, it goes into deep, deep freeze. And that takes it into a new level. And it can be legally up to two years old. The perfectly groomed swindler we found today who stole £2 million from pals. Nice to have pals who've got £2 million. Will Smith's children reckon they have the power to control time. Duh. Duh. Who are the worst drivers on the road? Caravan drivers. Oh, well, there's a surprise. And uh, Anne Whittacombe drones on about Tony Beak yet again. Leave him alone, woman. He's not interested. You're an old, fat woman. He doesn't... He's doesn't he just dances, dear. He just dances. You're better off with the other people. Don't hang around with him. Uh, the Great Passport giveaway. The life-size T-Rex on sale. It's the Christmas catalogue to end all Christmas catalogue. And I was so intrigued by the Bob Marley family signing a joint venture for this Calamus Brown. It's not my words. It's the producer who wrote that one. He was very excited about that. A joint venture. Ooh. Probably wasn't original. It's probably done by somebody else. But, I mean, it doesn't matter, does it? It's the fact that in the year 2014... Oh, right, Financial Times. They're thinking of actually sort of branding Bob Marley because he smoked the weed. And they're thinking of sort of branding it so you can have sort of perhaps like a tourist industry. You wouldn't want to really be there when they start driving, would you? All the people on cannabis. Oh, look at Oh, this car drives itself, mate. It's fantastic. Having listened to Ollie Mann earlier on, I've come to the conclusion there's a vast percentage of overnight people listening to LBC are obviously off their trolleys. Small wonder they haven't got the fact they can't spell... I generally get those ones at the end of the day. They've had sort of a long night. Where, yeah, and there was one woman who phoned up. She sounded quite normal until she started saying, yeah, and then we have some, uh, you know, we sort of roll up some cannabis and uh, and we listen to music and chat. I thought, well, that's what you think you do, dear, but in fact you're actually sitting on top of the fridge freezer having a wee, aren't you? You've got no idea where you are half the time with this stuff. And then it gets worse. Then you go on to skunk, and that's when you start believing that, you know, flowers are everywhere and you sort of, you start believing in your own... You know, power. I did have a friend who was on Skunk. He got sectioned because he literally didn't have the faintest idea what he was like. He talked absolute drivel. Absolute drivel. Oh, it's okay. Cannabis is good for you. Yeah. I wonder how many people actually who smoke cannabis would be more than happy to get on an aircraft where the, where the captain goes, ready? Everybody light up. Here we go. Wait a minute. Brace yourselves. It's going to be a bumpy ride. We're going to take off any minute. <laughs> Just imagine people sitting there going, the pilot's stoned. I wouldn't want to. Can you imagine getting on the bus, the bus driver going, I don't think we're going to stop at stops today. What do you reckon, eh? Should we do a vote on it? OK, let's just, let's keep going. Let's drive through red lights. Let's have a bit of fun. Because that's what it's like. But they do reckon a lot of people are like that out there already, don't they? So this morning, the day starts badly. The day starts badly. It doesn't normally start badly. In fact, it normally starts really, really well. And I, sort of, I get sort of excited thinking about what are we going to talk about? What are we going to do? And uh, there's a slight hiccup this morning because there's no copy of the Sun newspapers. They've either got an exclusive story uh, or they just couldn't be bothered to get the John Bull printing outfit out. And uh, so that, that we haven't got that. Nobody's got it. I've had a look through the building. Nobody's got a copy of the Sun, which is deeply worrying. I'm sure that somebody will whiz one over to me at some point during the proceedings, which go till 6.30 this morning. So I go outside. I do the same thing every morning. My car is booked for a certain time. And I'm the only one on, on the pavement. There's, n- there's no... I'm, I'm it. Me and a fox this morning, and that was it. And you can track the car. 
So I knew that he was having a rest because it didn't move for about ten minutes. They said, you know, he's three minutes away. And I kept thinking, well, that was 15 minutes. And so anyway, anyway, then the thing, because they, they give you the car number and everything else. So then it pulls up. And I normally, I'm, the, I'm, I'm standing on the pavement. I'm at the pickup point. You know, the odds of it being somebody else are pretty remote. Pretty remote. In fact, nigh on impossible at that time of the morning. Nobody's going to be standing on that exact pickup point at that junction. Except me. I'm it. I'm the one with my little two little bags, and I'm all ready. The car pulls in. I open the back door, get in. Morning. Go to sleep. That's it. This morning, pulls in. Well, first of all, I don't think he sees me. So he goes past that, and I'm going, uh, in your own time. You know, whoop, back. So anyway, so he sort of reverses back. He won't open the door. You practically have to go through third degree. You know, who are you? Where are you going to? I, I said, I'm the only one here. Who do you think I am? You know, let's try and have a little bit of intelligence going on. I realise that maybe it's not happening. He wouldn't open the door for love nor money. So in the end, I had a bit of a strop. And I said, I tell you what, go away. I'll drive myself in. And uh, so I I go in to go and get get my car. And as I'm going to get the car, I'm thinking, right, so I've now got to pay the congestion charge. (laughs) All these things start going through my mind. I'm thinking, but I'm so angry about the fact that there's nobody else out there. He's just being a complete idiot. And I'm thinking, there's nobody else out there. I am the person. Every day of the week, Monday through Friday, for God knows how many years, that's what we do. I'm on the pavement. Everybody else manages to find me and pull in. This one, not opening the door. Tell me who you are first. Open the bloody door. <laughs> At the end, I said, I tell you, go away. You're a silly little man. Go away. Shoo. <laughs> so, anyway, so then I thought, right, I'm going to lodge an official complaint. Because it's just ridiculous. We do this every day. You know, we spend a lot of money with this cab firm. A lot of money in this company. lot of money. You know, cars backwards and forwards, and you get a drive. Mind you, as I say, we've had a, we've had a couple of problems over the years. One who touted, if you please, after he dropped me off, literally touted, and um, and this one this morning. So, in the end, you know, we spoke to them, and I said, "Listen, I mean, what, what's?" He said, "Well, I'm really sorry." Blah blah blah. This is the controller, because I had to phone the producer here. So I was having the mayor of all days. So even, beti- even beti- before I got to the studio, which of course then made me late, I was in a foul mood. But of course, it cheered up a little bit when I read the papers. Because I always cheer up when I read the papers. I don't know why. It just it puts a smile on your face because there's so much rubbish about it at the moment. I mean, there really is. There's some, some ridiculous stories. I mean, it's, you can tell we're getting near Christmas, can't you? When you've actually got the story that Will Smith's children have the power to control time. Duh. They're not in the, all there in the head, are they? Phoenix Knights could rise from the ashes. Peter Kay has dropped a subtle hint. A subtle hint. And I thought, that, that's a good idea. I liked Phoenix Knights, but I thought he, Peter Kay didn't get on with a lot of people. I thought that's, that, that's, what it, that's what it was. That's what it was. I thought it was, it was Peter Kay falling out with people. But I loved it. I thought it was great. I thought it was a really good series. Uh, in her column, Anne Widdicombe drones on about Anton Dubeck, Tony Beek. As is, that's the oil slick. She quite clearly has got the hots for him. She she can't resist mentioning, I bet they swap Kispers cards and he goes, love you, kissy, kissy, and kissy, kissy. And I'm thinking, sicky, 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 sicky. Uh, Bob Marley's family, as I say, we've, we, we've dealt with. We'll probably come back to that a little bit later on. And um, and this, this hotel that these two people called a hovel. Apparently, in the clause of the hotel, it said, you know, if you write bad things about it, because it's quite clearly a dump, and to be, a, to, to be brutally... Honest with you, looking at it, I wouldn't want to stay there. But there again, I wouldn't want to stay anywhere in Blackpool that's actually in Blackpool. I like to stay just outside of Blackpool at number one Blackpool, which is a boutique hotel. It's only got four rooms. It's a big house 
And I think it's a lady called Avril who runs it. It might not be Avril. She might have sold it since we, we stayed up there years ago. And uh, that was nice. And if we wanted to come into town, we got the bus. In-town hotels are what they what they say they are. They're, they're a bit tacky, I'm afraid. Not my sort of thing at all. But it doesn't matter. You know, to each his own. You pay 35 quid for a room for the night, you expect to get 35 quid room. They had that thing. Do you remember the, uh, the four in a bed and they had Julia Grant... That was George Grant, as was, and then uh, he had a sex change and became Julia Grant, and they did it on the television. And it's turned into a rather fat tranny with a bit of an attitude problem. <laughs> because nobody else on the programme seemed to... Of course, as usual, halfway through the programme, he just couldn't resist telling everybody, I used to be a man, like big surprise there, dear. And so, you know, for those people who didn't know, he'd been on the television for about, oh, months. And he used to be a DJ... And then he had the sex change. Then he got married to a Turkish guy. Then that all fell through. He had a council flat and people shoved burning things through his letterbox. I mean, the whole thing just went a bit pear-shaped. But it's obviously turned him into a rather bitter, extremely obese person who didn't like anything. Just was life's little misery. And it was a shame, really, because it could have been so much fun. But he had this dump of a hotel where they had drag cabaret every night, which I love. I love drag cabaret. I mean, I absolutely do. I've sort of grown up with it in London over the years. But his rooms were naff and pokey. And he was going, well, you know, the, nobody else has complained about it because he was, at the, he was at the cheap end of the market. He couldn't have done expensive if he tried. And so all the other people had some really nice hotels where they offered, you know, croissant for breakfast. His was sort of a bit, bit dreary. And he just didn't, he just didn't fit in with anybody. Which, which was a shame, because I really wanted him stroke her to fit in. But they have to tell you halfway through, don't they, all about their operation. Every time, every time we had somebody on Big Brother, they've got to tell you, I used to be a woman, now I'm a man. No, you're not. You still look like a rather butch woman with short hair. That's how it works. It's, it's, it's very interesting that people have to tell you. You think, Why? Are you, are, you, are you telling us because you think, you know, you look so fantastic? Or is it just this, this ability that you want to share it with everybody? I don't quite understand it. And I do know quite a number of, tra- of transsexuals. I'm trying to work out, actually, why there's a blonde wig in the studio. Is there a reason? Is somebody, is somebody cross-dressing in this building that I'm not aware of at the moment? Is it Sam Lovell again? Oh, God, honestly. I've warned him about it. I've warned him about it. He's been checking out these sites called Transform, and he's had his hair cut really short. This is obviously to fit fit the wig on. Obviously to fit the wig on. Um, 84850, steve at uh, Another one here. This is uh, from... Because we weave everything in on the programme. I don't like to miss anything out at all. So agree with Blackpool and the Band-Aid record. Both rubbish, says Patsy. Went to Blackpool once, passing through. God, what a place. Band-Aid, what can I say? I'm so over Geldof. Scruffy and a bully. Well, I think he's a bully in so much as he sort of... He, he jumps on a bandwagon, doesn't he? He jumps on a bandwagon. The Ebola, as Nick Ferrari pointed out the other day. I can only keep repeating what Nick Ferrari said. 300,000 people died of flu the other year. Under 5,000 people have died of Ebola. And we've now got hundreds of millions of pounds being poured into it because it might become threatening to us. I think unlikely, but it might be. So Bob Geldof and his little piddly amount compared to what the uh, the government are putting into it is nothing. It's just nothing at all. But he gets loads of publicity because if you don't do what he says, my God, he lambasts you in the papers. But one of the critics today, Sarah Vine, one of the columnists, has said it's, do they know it's abysmal? It's people trying to sort of outdo everybody. Most of them can't sing for toffee. They can't sing for toffee. There's a few on there can sing. But of course, because it's so heavily mixed, you don't know. Some, some are people who've just 
become famous on YouTube. I mean, I, I wasn't even aware that Bob Geldof knew what YouTube was. Well, you can go and visit some of his past performances and work out just how bad he was as a pop singer. The silicon chips inside my head. So it goes on. Anyway, so uh, all of that this morning and more and no copy of The Sun. And I'm very depressed. I shouldn't be, but I probably might get even worse as the programme goes on. A bit like Gemma Collins. Quarter past four. This is LBC. Coming uh, up this morning, it's the Wednesday edition of Call Clegg. I wonder why the, uh, the window screen was in. Because uh, the Deputy Prime Minister will take your calls today on LBC. Plus, after the shocking case of the mum who smothered her three disabled children to death, Nick will be asking how we can support parents so it doesn't happen again. And a special Dickensian report from Rochester. Join Nick Ferrari this morning from seven. Looking at the papers, it's David Wooding, associate political editor of The Sun Sunday. I found the front page of The Sun this morning. We just haven't got the whole paper. I could tell you that the front page uh, is the I'm a Celeb exclusive, foul mouthed Gemma Collins, Jungle Star's ex tells of wild rages. I think we're well aware of them, darling. Uh, they call it Gem Warfare, hurled glass and dinner at fiance, Towie Girl goes off like firework. It's because she's miserable. It's because she's deeply, deeply unhappy. There's nothing that... She's not being bullied by anybody. She's the bully. She is the bully. Whenever you see her in the only way is Essex, there's a bullying um, organisation in the paper today saying it's outrageous that people are trolling her. You want to watch her in the only way is Essex. You want to see what a fat bully looks like. That's it. Fat, outrageous, cheap, disgusting, awful language, everything. She is... Horrible. Just a horrible, horrible person. Don't ever, ever think that she's going to turn out to be nice because she isn't. We've seen it time and time again on all the series. I've tried to get rid of her off the programme. I've had a word with the producer. I said, get rid of her. She's rubbish. She's not pleasant. She's a very bad example. She doesn't do fat girls any favour whatsoever. She's just vile. Really. And I blame the parents. Oh, mummy and daddy looking out for you. She's 30 bloody three. Excuse my French. That'll be the three bit. So that's the, uh, the that's the, the front page of the Sun this morning. Gem warfare. She's nasty. She's just not nice. Just not nice. So there you go. And uh, Julia says there's no copy of the Sun or the BBC News app, which lists all the front pages. Yes, I mean I think it's a bit uh, it's a bit difficult to try and find, isn't it? At the moment, I think we're doing quite well. I think we're doing quite well. We've actually found you know a couple of little bits. At least we've actually got the front. The front page, so we're very happy with that. Lunch, pr- provided we've got the front page and we can then try and find out a little bit later on what's inside it. I do actually get the Sun very kindly send me a rundown of things that they've got coming up. Um, and in fact, I'll see if I can find it actually, see what they're doing here. I always, they all send it to me and I get it in the middle of the afternoon. And it gives me a rough idea of some of the stories that they are covering. Where is it? Come here, come here, come here. Yesterday we tried... To, I lost all sorts of things yesterday. I was having a bit of, bit of a day, I'm afraid. A bit of a day. Oh, I can't find it. I'll find it in a minute. Um, because we did Hugh Bonneville yesterday. You remember? Uh, he was coming in to talk about uh, Paddington, the new movie. And in fact, uh, it's a very, very good interview. Oh, it is. But he was on absolute form yesterday, Hugh. And he came in and we talked about Paddington, because I'm a big Paddington fan, and how it worked... And, and I said, how did it work? What, what were you acting with? And he said, a lot of times we were acting with a stick with a hat on it so that they would hold it and say, that's, that's who you're talking to. And so they were, he said, sometimes we didn't get the stick. Sometimes we didn't get the hat. And sometimes the little girl who plays one of the, uh, the Brown family's children put the hat on and walked around so that's how they knew exactly what was going on. It's good, isn't it? 
I didn't, I, didn't, I mean, I assumed that it was blue screen or something like that. I assumed it was blue screen. And it turns out that it was, uh, it was a stick with a hat on it. Just made me laugh, actually. 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. We shall weave everything in. We don't like to miss anything out. Susanna Reid said on uh, her programme, God, she's not still working, is she? Susanna Reid's still working. How hilarious that Gemma Collins was, quote, lovely. Yeah, yeah, I know. I mean, I'm assuming that sort of, you know, Susanna Reid, who's a bit... She's a BBC presenter, and you know what they're like. They don't actually have opinions. Uh, Perry says, uh, there are some amazing transsexuals. I met Tula at the Roof Gardens. Yeah, well, Tula was a page three girl. Went on to be a Bond girl as well, didn't she? You could check her out on uh, online. But I think actually had an operation at the age of about 17. Oh, yes, I mean, you wouldn't... I mean, seriously, you wouldn't, you wouldn't know... You re- there was one the other day. Do you remember? I, I advised you to go and have a look. I think it was in the sun on Sunday, a few weeks back, or perhaps it was on, on Friday. And, um, and it was um, a woman to man. It was female to male. Well, you never would have known. You, I mean, just absolutely would not have known at all. You know, absolutely amazing. Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. You should have blown the bloody cab doors off, Steve. <laughs> Felt like it this morning. Felt like it. <laughs> uh, 84850. Apparently, Pete says, even when it comes to keeping the milk under padlock, the politician's instinct is still to blame their predecessors. Can you imagine they have to lock the, the fridge? They have to lock the fridge to stop people pinching the milk. We have so much milk. We have so much milk here in the uh, in the fridge, and we've got so many different floors. So, in other words, Christmas time. I mean, I could probably do. There's an average of there's there's about fifteen fridges in this building. About fifteen fridges because there's no. I tell a lie. Actually, there must be must be more like thirty because the building's split in two. So it's two buildings. You cross over to go from one side to the other, and there's kitchens in each part. I've never known a place with so many kitchens. Never known a place with so many kitchens. It, it's brilliant. And so at Christmas time, you just go up to the to the sales floor. Well, you open a door. I remember going there through one time when we first came into the building. They give you a map so you can find where you're going because it's so big, this building. There's about six, 700 people in here. Not at this precise moment. I should imagine this precise moment. There's probably the best part of probably 50. But I promise you, by, by 8 o'clock this morning, there'll be at least 400 people in here. And then it just continues to build. And we had so many celebrities coming in the other day. It must have been one of our biggest days for celebrities. So many people were, were coming in, which I've, I find fascinating. So I've, I've got celebrities today. Hugh Bonneville yesterday we talked about Downton. It's coming back. Series 6 they're on to. Series 6. And they start filming in... February. February. But he's got uh, Paddington. I said, did you have to audition for Downton? And he said, no. I won't tell you how he got the job, but it's uh, it's an interesting story. He was on very good form. Hugh Bonneville yesterday. We had a, a nice time. They've downgraded Paddington again. You know that he was given a PG. And Michael Bond, the writer of Paddington, said, uh, Paddington? Pete, how on earth can Paddington? Now they've got, they, they had sexual references before. Sexual references, as if anybody's going to notice. It's Paddington, for goodness sake. It's Paddington Bear. Paddington Bear. Adults read Paddington Bear. Unlike Noddy, who is only read by children, adults read Paddington Bear, because he's, he's an adult, isn't he? You talk to, I know he's a child, because he's a bear, he's a little bear cub, but he's, he still can have conversations with Mr Gruber and, uh, and the Brown family, and he's just a bit funny and opinionated. He's a little bear. That was what was so good about it. And I think that when you actually see the film, you, I, th- I think you're, well, apparently, according to Hugh Bonneville, he says you'll laugh. 
He says you'll sympathise with him, he said, and you might have a little tear as well at one point in the movie. So, you know, you can imagine when they go, you... I don't know what it would be, actually. I, I was going to hazard a guess, and I thought, no, just in case it turns out to be right. Don't people coming back going, oh, you just ruined that film for me. The Titanic sinks, by the way, just thought I'd mention that. You know, just in case you were worried about it. I know, I know I've ruined it for everybody. They showed it on the telly again the other day, the Titanic. I didn't know what I was watching to start with. And then I said, because the film starts, and then it, it kind of goes back on itself when they sort of get the old woman back who threw the jewel into the ocean. I wish they'd thrown her in. I wish they'd thrown her in. If only that was true. If only that was true. Although... Actually, though, come to think of it, at the bottom of the ocean, there would have been a lot of jewellery. Cars, people taking their cars over to America. And jewellery, a lot of, lot of the women on there were very well healed. They'd have been wearing their jewellery. Many would have survived, but a lot didn't survive. And their jewellery could be at the bottom of the ocean. They'll never find it. It'll stay there. Can you imagine if you brought up some of the stuff that was being transported? <sighs> Dear. Wouldn't like to, wouldn't even like to think, actually. Um <clears throat> Billy and St Albans, um, oh yeah, <laughs> talking about Gemma Collins, her best friend is Bobby Cole Norris, I mean you really wouldn't want him would you, he's, he's known in the business as Ming the Merciless because of those peculiar eyebrows and that peculiar shade of orange which he is, he really is the most peculiar person, but uh, as soon as uh, she would start, he, he would start slating her and she would start slating him, they both hate each other, but she's just got no friends, nobody wants to be friends with her. She's horrible. She really is horrible. I don't think I've seen anybody so horrible before. I wanted to say thank you. In the early hours of Sunday morning, I went into labour. I'm not taking that one. I Seriously, I don't know why people tell me. Nothing to do with me. I was nowhere near you at the time. People seem to blame this programme for everything, Gemma. And she said, so I went into labour and sat with headphones on and candles lit. That helps, does it? Listening to LBC as I worked through through my contractions, in between trying to breathe away the pain, you made me laugh so much, and laughter is the best medicine. Gemma Collins, you are brutal, but I love your fearless comments and your sharp, witty tone. Anyway, just wanted to know that your show was part of my journey, and I gave birth to my little boy at home later that day. He's James. He's now on a breastfeeding frenzy throughout the night, and I've decided to retune in. There you go. We're here every morning. Every morning, seats at all prices. You know, we're very happy to be here. I love the idea. So you go all the way through that, thanking me for the labour and the laughs and all the rest of it, and you call him James. Hello? Am I obviously, you know, obviously Steve, maybe not as uh, not as nice a name. You could have a middle name of Steve, couldn't he, really, Gemma, I suppose. I see no reason why that uh, that would not be possible. Time check. It's 4.30. Steve Allen on LBC. Well, you've really 26 minutes to five. It's Wednesday. I have to think what I'm doing, actually, because next week I've got three interviews for In Conversation, including John Cleese, who's coming in to talk to us exclusively. And uh, a couple of them, I can't remember who it is. I, I did run through it with the producer yesterday, but I had so many other things to think about. And then I've got to do, I think tomorrow's VAT day. I must do that because that's got to be in before December. So that should only take about 15 minutes once we've found the bits of paper. But having sorted out the, the tax... For the accountant, that's good. We've, we've sort of we've managed to clear quite a lot of paper, so we're doing quite well. So we just wait till we hear from uh, from Stevie, and then I discovered that caravan drivers are the worst on the road, the worst. Um, of two thousand motorists questioned, uh, one hundred and eighty thought caravan drivers were competent. Sixty-one percent of caravan owners who took part in the survey insisted they felt happy on the road, and nearly one in three considered themselves among the country's best drivers. But they're not, of course. They're very slow, they're very tedious. Interestingly enough, the Caravan Club, 
who have 1.7 million caravanners in the UK, declined to comment. I bet they did. It used to be the thing, if you were in the caravan club, you had the, um, the logo on the front of your car. And when you passed other caravans, you'd flash your lights and wave. You'd wave out the window at them, because they were a member of the caravan club. And if you were really posh, you had a little flag as well. A little triangular pennant, which went on to the, uh, the car aerial. I know, we were in the caravan club. Oh, yes, 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 yes. I loved it. I thought it was the best thing to do, actually. Cheapest holidays in the world. You just sort of hook up the caravan and off you go. You just sort of pootle around. The worst place was going down Devon and Cornwall, where it's up and down, you know, little country lanes, and you're towing your caravan, and cars then weren't as powerful as they are now. We used to have a Hillman Hunter. Hillman Minx. Sorry, beg your pardon. Hillman Minx. And if you look at it, it looks so ancient. (laughs) It looks like a car from another era, which, of course, it is. And that used to tow our caravan. And so when we used to go up hills in in Devon and Cornwall, you would literally be crawling up. Sometimes you'd think, we're not going to make it. My father would be dropping down in the gears until eventually you'd be in first gear for getting up the things to tow the caravan. It's already got to the top and it went over. But the trail of cars behind you, they used to hate it. They used to hate it. We used to have a specially wide wing mirror so we could see how many cars were there. We used to laugh and point because we were like that as children. We were evil. Evil children who we were, a bit like penguins. And we'd look at, ha, 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 we've got a caravan. We used to love it, though. It was great. You'd, you'd, you'd pack everything into it, and off you would go. It was your own, like being a snail, your own little house with you. And we had wardrobes in there. Only two, I think, but it was enough clothes for us. I think it was enough clothes. Where we washed them, I don't know. I'm sure we found places on caravan sites. But we went all over the place. Went to Welsh Wales, and we went to Scotland. And you'd, you'd check your caravan club guide... And it would say, this farm is here and it's £6 a night. And you'd pull in. And um, we didn't have electricity. We just had gas. So you'd connect up your little gas bottle at the front. And you'd light the little gas mantles inside. And then you've got this lovely warm glow. You can't beat the the interior of a caravan if it's lit, lit by gas. We had a little gas stove. So Mama, Mama put, put the kettle on. We'd have a cup of tea. And then she'd be able to do food, which comprised of soup. In fact, I don't think it ever comprised of anything but soup. I thought we had soup for everything. We did have toast in the morning <coughs> because there was a grill and so you could light the grill. Oh, it was lovely. I mean, if you got up in the caravan in the early hours of the morning and, uh, and it was cold, you light, light the grill and you hop back into bed again. The grill would heat up the entire caravan. Wonderful. Really wonderful stuff. Uh, Dennis says, somebody on your show sent a message saying that Costco chicken pieces were the best as they were made from 100% chicken breast. He says, I agree, they are delicious and tasty. However, check out the country of origin. Well, unless it's Timbuktu, I'm not particularly bothered. I don't really mind where it comes from, as long as it's edible. As long as it's edible. And uh, it's just, I don't want any chicken that isn't proper chicken. I don't want shaped chicken. I, I, I really don't want uh, shaped chicken at all. Uh, Liz says, love your show. Please say hello to my sister Pauline in Hanwell, who's a new listener to your show. There you go. I know Hanwell very well, as you can imagine. I know all areas around there. And, uh, and Patsy says, welcome little James Steve. He's joined the 4am spike. I like the 4am spikers. We're very happy with you at the moment. You're doing very well. And as we're into the uh, festive season, it is the season to be jolly. Which is good. Uh, Steve Miller says, uh, Steve Allen shows my new morning alarm. He says, I roll around laughing in my bed. Have oh, I got everybody on medication? Is every single person who rolls, rolling around in your bed? You want casters or something like that? <laughs> uh, 84850. Ian says, I'd rather listen to an opinionated presenter I disagree with than bland policy-driven PC radio. Oh, absolutely. Who wants bland stuff? There are, you can listen to some radio programmes, you know, where they try and incorporate a personality presenter. 
that's quite difficult to find, uh, with music. Which is just ridiculous. I mean, it's, I can, can only think of one radio station which goes like that. And it's absolutely dire. Absolutely dire. Talking of dire, here she is. Margarita Clark, you thieving old despot, you. 63. And she's been sent to prison. Uh, she enjoyed posh restaurants, designer clothes, luxury holidays in the Caribbean. Some of her victims she stole two and a half million from. Uh, watched from the public gallery in St Albans Crown Court. She admitted seven counts of theft. This trusted family friend, known as Rita, had duped victims in bogus property deals and their feelings of betrayal were immense. All the money swindled had gone and Clark, who lived in a converted luxury barn in Broxbourne in Hertfordshire with her husband, Stuart, was even £8,000 overdrawn. She spent about sixty grand a year just on holidays. One elderly neighbour who parted with £722,000 after listening to Clark's patter about how she was involved in a lucrative property deal suffered a nervous breakdown. The victims believed that Clark was a trusted family friend. No doubt in the past she'd been a successful businesswoman, but um, then she was uh, she just thieved from people. Ghastly. Um, her defence said she had set out uh, to not deceive her victims, but because of the economic downturn had been unable to sell properties. So they sent her to prison for... What is that? About three years. She'll die in there. That'd be good, wouldn't it? That would be... If you'd been cheated out of £722,000, I'm not going to be feeling particularly benevolent towards her. I couldn't care less what happens to her. I'd have been throwing stuff from the public gallery. Get in there, you wizened old bag. Oh, dear, absolutely. You know, to to do things... I mean, this person had a a, a mental breakdown, practically. You know, somebody goes to you, I'm terribly sorry, we just arrested your next-door neighbour, and uh, the money's gone. She spent it all on holidays. Sorry? Do, 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 we, do we not get it back? No, you don't get any of it back. She's spent it all. But we're sending her to prison. No, let me get her to first. Let me hold her under a puddle. Uh, bad luck to Judy Murray, says Anne Widdicombe, who must sit there at home thinking, it could have been me dancing with Tony Beak again. She says, and yet again, Anton Dubeck is denied a chance of the final because he always gets the duffers. Yeah, he got you, did, didn't he? And they don't come any more duff. Did he get you? Yeah, I think he did. They always put all the old women with him who are no no hopers. But uh, I think it reawakened feelings in Anne Whittacombe. I don't think she'd had for some time. <laughs> because every opportunity to mention Tony Beak in her column, Anton Dubert, she mentions him. Every opportunity she mentions him. And I think secretly, I think secretly, Anne, come on, you know it's true. I think you'd harboured harboured a little bit of a lovey-dovey, snoggy-woggy kind of thing going on. You think so? I think that'd be fantastic. (laughs) I like that. I like the idea that Anne Whittacombe sit there going, I hate that woman. It should have been me dancing. (laughs) Uh, Other stories in the papers for today. What else have we got here? What else have we got? Oh, this... Perhaps a bit too early for this kind of thing. But it's um, a single mother. She's an ugly... You know, she's got the uh, the hair tied up. It's not her hair. It looks a bit fake. She's got the thing. She smokes, so she stinks as well. And uh, she left a model scarred for life after throwing a glass at her face. She walked free from court because she has three children. I mean, I know, I know what you want to do as well. Mumtaz Nakvi narrowly avoided losing an eye when Donna Ricketts, 31, ugly, ugly little chav flew into a rage at a nightclub. But Ricketts, whose youngest child is 13 months old, was given an 18-month suspended jail sentence. Isn't it funny? We jail people for the most peculiar things, and somebody who's glass somebody gets let off because she's a mother. 
Ricketts, who comes from Manchester, was even spared having to pay compensation after being told uh, that she could only afford £50 a month from her benefits. So she didn't even work this old bag. Do you know, she looks perfectly capable. If she's capable of going out to a nightclub and glassing somebody, she's capable of working. Everybody else seems to manage it, except these tight-fisted uglies out there. Outraged Tory MP Philip Davis yesterday branded the sentence sexist. The judge said, I have no doubt at all that in front of pretty much any other judge you'd go straight to jail, but you have three children and I have to ask myself, would it do any good? Who cares whether it would do any good? Who cares, Mr Recorder Shaw? Get the old bag in prison, leave her in there, take the children away for her, put them in care. Listen, if she was dumping them to go nightclubbing, who do you think's bothered? Who do you think's bothered? In other words, now, you know, uglies like this one here, and Donna Ricketts is ugly, let's face it, you know, get themselves some children, go out there, commit a crime, nobody cares. Nobody cares. I was watching those police camera action things. I love them. I cannot get enough of them. I, you know, sometimes the police, they, have, they put up with... Oh, dear. If the cameras weren't there, you know, they're surrounded by some of the world's uglies. Yesterday, we had two twin sisters on the Jeremy Carl show. Two twi- Yeah, we had twins on the Jeremy Carl. The whole family were ugly. Seriously. I mean, I don't want to be rude about them, but not one of them. I don't think between all of them, that was the mum who was in a wheelchair, the man who was accused of having sex with her but was going out with one of the daughters, uh didn't have any. The daughters didn't have any other. I don't think there was a full set of teeth between the whole family. Seriously, when the mother opened her mouth, I seriously thought they'd been taken out for something. Perhaps roadworks, I thought, or looking for a site for another airport. Because they also, and they're all arguing, and then and then one rushes off the stage, and you look at them and you think, do you know, at the age of, I don't know, 23, I think the girls were, or something like that, your life is a complete mess. A complete mess. And unfortunately for poor old Donna Ricketts, lazy old bag who doesn't seem to do it. can go out nightclubbing, dump the kids at home on somebody, and she's out there, and then she glasses somebody, a model. Luckily, she didn't go blind. And all she gets is, she gets like, um... Uh, the, the victim just gets 250 quid, unless she sues for more in a civil action. And then she went, oh, I can't pay nothing, because I'm, I'm on benefits, and I can only give 50 quid. Well, I tell you what, love, let's do you a big favour... Let's let's really give, do you a big favour. We're taking the children away, OK, because you're quite clearly not fit for purpose, and we're taking your benefits away too. We're taking your benefits away, and you'll have to go out there and get a job. Perhaps you could be a waitress, dear, or something. I mean, you must be able to do something, mustn't you? You can't... Yeah, you could be glasses. Perhaps you could sort of work in an optician or something like that. I tell you, I'm, I'm, if I was a judge, I'm sorry, I'd be saying, listen, what do you mean there's not enough room in prisons? Build more prisons. Let's get them in there. Let's get him in prison. You can stay in there. You can rot. I couldn't care less what happens to you. And if you want to come out, then you've got to prove to people that you're able to look after your children. Because, frankly, you're a disgusting person. Disgusting. You really are. And at the same time, as diabetics are losing a lot of the things which help them through their diabetes, the one thing that's being taken away from diabetics at the moment, and they're cutting back because they're so expensive, are the test strips. These are the strips which come in all sorts of shapes and sizes. I've got one which is in a drum. And you put the drum into your little blood testing machine and you get uh, uh, like a syringe thing which has got a power needle in it. You put a needle in. I put a new one in every time. And um, and you, you put it against your finger and you push the button and it goes... And uh, makes a hole in your finger and you squeeze the blood out, put it onto the test strip and it tells you what your, what your reading is. And they're cutting back on those in some areas. That's what people rely on. They need to check their diabetes, but because it's so expensive, they can't do it. 
because we're wasting time on sort of giving some pathetic Joey Essex non-entity the other day a look-alike, a new nose for £5,000, that revolting Josie Cunningham. I'm sick to death of these people. Pond life, ladies and gentlemen, pond life. And sure, we give breasts to, and we waste money because we've got to cope with life. Pathetic, aren't they? I tell you, I'd sort them out if I was a judge. Don't give me an option, I'm afraid. 13 minutes to five. This is LBC. Steve Allen on LBC. So, over in the jungle, ladies and gentlemen, yes, another disastrous day for Jabba the Hutt, Gemma Collins, and another fascinating day for the few heterosexuals watching the show as yet another bimbo model strips off to go under the shower. They've all done it, and uh, now you've got Irish model Nadia Ford, claim to fame, nothing at all. She's just in there because she's prepared to get... Unfortunately, Nadia, you're a bit late, dear. The American Kendall's taken everything off already. OK, so you're a little bit... And also the bikini, a little bit cheap-looking. I don't want to be rude about it, dear, but I'm sorry. Those sort of patterns went out with the arc. They really did. Tinchy Strider, who's, uh, who is struggling with the English language at the moment, was there. Actually, loads of people have um, have taken their, their kit off in the showers, haven't they? They've sort of worn their, their sort of bikinis. You know, we had Mylene Class there. That's the one who lives in a very, very expensive house. Uh, Jordan... Also was there, but again, you see, without the makeup on, just looks dog rough. Helen Flanagan spent most of her time in the shower because she had nothing to contribute to anybody. And then Matthew Wright uh, put a bikini on and went into the shower. Often worried about Matthew Wright. And uh, the latest is uh, Nadia Ford, which is great, but it's it's been done before, dear. It's very sweet of you to make a contribution to the programme, but uh, as but then having heard you talk, I don't think you you can contribute a lot, can you? There's not a lot going on. Uh, Patsy, same cab company. Same cab company, the cab company that you were with, same cab company uh, that, uh, that I was with this morning. It, it is about one of the first times that it's actually happened. But uh, it's so annoying. It is so, so annoying. Anyway, 84850, uk. And um, bum, 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 bum. I was going to find something here. Um, everybody commenting on the picture of Zoe Ball, who came out of a nightclub. And uh, they say, she looked amazing. You know, they say, this is a beautiful, a middle-aged mum who works hard and still gets a hangover on a weekend. So Alison Phillips wrote. I don't, perhaps I'm obviously looking at the wrong person here. Yes, she's got mascara sliding down her face, three chins and noddy holder hair. But this is a beautiful middle-aged woman. Hmm. I think there's something a bit naff about drunk women. There was one on the telly this morning on one of these police programmes. And uh, she didn't, she didn't know where she was. I mean, she was so drunk. And I was, uh, the policeman was actually quite nice to her and actually quite pleasant saying shall I run you home and they were going uh, yes yes and she was making life a little bit difficult I thought when you watch this back you're going to be deeply embarrassed deeply embarrassed that uh, that you were out drunk on the streets Uh, Mark says I've been waking up to you for the past three years I was working nights and after scanning the channels and relentlessly ending up with timid presenters on mind-numbingly boring programmes. All the uh, the radios are now welded to LBC. There you go. Oh, so you should. So you should. I mean, for goodness sake, what else is there? Small wonder we actually get the biggest audience in the morning. Uh, John in Manly Beach says, a little bit more respect for pond life, please. We have 12 tadpoles at home, just beginning to sprout legs. Much better looking and far more entertaining than Josie Cunningham. Or Jabba the Hutt as well, or just about any other person. There's loads of them, I've discovered. And, the, and it's life's useless, people. It's life's pity me, pity me, pity me. 
You know, Gemma Collins has spent most of her time crying in the jungle. To be honest with you, for a 33-year-old woman, there's quite clearly some mental issues going on. What's the matter with her? Nobody, nobody else is crying out there. Nobody else is bothered by it. We know what a vile person she is. Perhaps she's worried that, you know, while she's away, all this stuff's going to be written about her. I mean, they are, but it's never in a good light. There's nothing good you can say about it. She has no redeeming qualities at all. She's a sad, sex-starved 33-year-old who can't find anybody. You know, she can't keep a boyfriend for love nor money because she turns nasty. And the nasty side of it, I'm afraid, outweighs anything. I don't think I've ever, in all the time, seen anything nice about her. There is nothing good about her at all. I was amazed to discover she had a father who sent a text message to her saying, you know, mummy and, you know, mummy and daddy sort of say, you know, chin up our, our little angel. As I say, she's 33. They're talking to her like she's five years old. Perhaps they're a bit simple as well. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know them and I don't want to know them. Thank you very much indeed. These people inflict themselves on you. They sort of appear on the television. I didn't ask them to be on my television. They deliberately, actively seek out publicity. They sell every aspect of their life, and that's when any credibility that they have or any, oh, don't bully me kind of thing, goes out the window, because they actively seek publicity. They actively push themselves into your life. You know, if, if, if you phone up her agent and say, oh, do you think Gemma will do an exclusive interview for, for 20,000 quid when she comes out? Of course she will. She'll bend over and do the splits for you for that price. You know, that's what they do. That's how they... But eventually, it's all going to go pear-shaped. You know what's going to happen then? They've got all their, all their clothing companies are going to collapse, one after the other after the other, because there'll be different people to do. So at the moment, you have to put up with the silly little Fahir sisters, silly little Lydia Dim, silly little, you know, Amy Child. I mean, she is thick. God knows she's thick. And all the rest of them, they've all got clothing. They don't design anything. They haven't got the... Fa- they're, they're too stupid for that. And eventually, the companies that they work for will drop them and find somebody else. Why would, I mean, these people are so badly dressed. I mean, I've not seen Gemma Collins wearing anything that is remotely flattering. But, I mean, presumably they've given her a whole wardrobe full of free stuff and so she can turn up and, and just put it on and that's it. But she's done nothing. She's done nothing at all to ingratiate herself and, and make the, the British public warm to her. And it's an ideal opportunity, isn't it? It's an ideal opportunity for you actually to go into the jungle and try and do something and all she's going is, oh, I just want to lose weight. So, and again, me, 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 me. Not bothered about anybody else. Not bothered about, you know, going in there to sort of meet some interesting people and have a good chat. That's what I'd be going in there for. I'd be looking to sort of see who was in the jungle. Who have I got in there? Who would be worth talking to in there? I mean, judging by this latest crop, there's a, I don't think there's anybody in there I, I could be remotely interested in. Michael Burke, who's sold himself down the river. But there again, he must need the money, poor soul. And uh, everybody else is doing it for the money. They can't be doing it for any other reason. Because nobody's, you know, the girls just stand under the shower in their bikinis, or in the case of the Playboy model, Tart, she just takes everything off and stands under there. I mean, you might as well go the whole hog, dear. Because, to be honest with you, nobody's come within a mile of her. Nobody's interested in her. She's only doing it because they're all wrapped up in their own little world. Gemma Collins doesn't seem to know that anybody else is in there. I've not seen her engaging with anybody at all. She just sits there like a beached whale. Expect it, because on, on the only way to go, OK, Gemma, ready to do your filming now? Bobby, try and butch up for this one, love. You know, it's just, it's just awful. It's the same old, same old. So when they appear on television, why should we be surprised that they actually don't have any personality and they're just pathetic? Out in the, out in the real world, they couldn't manage. I don't know what Gemma Collins ever did before, but she obviously wasn't very successful at it. Because she doesn't seem to have anything, does she? She doesn't seem to have a boyfriend. She doesn't seem to have anything at all. And also, she's way older than all the other people in there. She's, perhaps she should team up with Elliot Wright. He seems about her sort of level, if level could be it. Um, 
Last year, Blackpool Council announced in the local paper that CCTV would not be monitored between Monday and Thursday, and then wondered why street crime went up. On, the, on this uh, police programme the other night, they had, uh, it was two, two Latvians who they arrested for an assault in the street on a man. And you think, I'm seeing more and more of this, more and more of these assaults, because people come from other countries, you know, and we sort of open the doors and go, hello, you know, come in, it's all very nice indeed. And what do they do? They assault people, they thieve. They do lots and lots of things, and it makes the papers, and then we see it on the television. One of their, their friends sort of kept hanging around, and the police officer said to him, the woman, she said, go away, I've told you, go away. And he kept coming back. Why are you pushing me away? Why are you do this? Go away, you're hindering an arrest. They don't seem to understand. They don't seem to understand. I mean, to be honest with you, by that time, I would have got the taser out. It, w- it would have happened. It would have happened. Uh, 84850, steve at uk. Jamie wants to know if Gemma's had a bikini shower. She has. She has. She's had a bikini shower. Well, I say a bikini. It's not really a bikini. That would be, that would be taking it too far. Too far. Uh, 84850. Steve at lbc.co.uk. We shall weave everything in on the programme. Just quickly check some of these. I'm seeing to be a lot of people's morning alarm, which is good. And um, we love opinionated, says John. That's why we listen. If you, if you want bland, he's named a few other people who he thinks could be considered bland presenters. All we're saying is everything that you'll be saying later on today. You'll be saying exactly the same over a drink in the pub, you know, over your lunch say, You know, do you see that Gemma Collins? In fact, I came in today and somebody said, Did you see? in fact, the, it was the producer. I'll be quite honest. You know, the producer said to me, he, he's, he's finally found the, uh, the on switch for the television. I don't think he knew what it was before. And he did watch I'm a Celebrity and he went, oh, my God. I mean, it's because it is a bit jaw-dropping when you look at people in there. And nobody's, for some reason, they all seem to be exhausted. There was a thing the other day in the paper that said, Tamara Eccleston, she's very tired. I thought, doing what? She doesn't exactly have a job. She just swans around. You know, like sort of a slightly classy bimbo. And then posing and going out with the baby and having a photographer take your picture. And that's it. You know, when she's old and nobody, and past it, which by my reckoning should be in about a year's time, you know, nobody will care about her anymore. And she'll have to go out there and start doing something. And perhaps a job would be nice. But when you watch them on the television, nobody's saying anything. Nobody talks to each other. Nobody's interested in what anybody else seems to do, whereas I'd be fascinated. So tell me, Gemma, what do you do for a living, dear? Oh, you're a personality, are you? I think not. I'm with you till 6.30 this morning. It's Steve Allen's Caring Sharing, early breakfast show on LBC. I like to be caring and sharing. I think it's nice to share a thought, isn't it? And we all think happy thoughts, because it's coming into the festive season. The trees are up in Twickenham. The trees are up. Paul Cooper's been putting them up. Uh, I got mine yesterday. Covered it in lights. You know, because I discovered that somebody a bit further down the... Yeah. See the producer, bar humbug. He doesn't put his tree up till the beginning of December. You'd lo- I'm going to take a picture, actually, of, uh, of Sandy's, the fish shop. He's got four Christmas trees outside his shop already and fully lit. The national grid is going absolutely mad. I'll tell you about Will Smith's children after the news. This is LBC. I am Steve Allen. This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. (laughs) 
Morning, everybody. Four minutes past uh, five. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast. Uh, Peter Kay's given the biggest hint yet that Phoenix Knights could rise from the ashes. I thought it was good. I thought it was very, very good. I'm not, I'm not the biggest fan of Peter Kay, though. It's odd, isn't it? I watched him on a few sort of chat shows, and he can't, he can't be humble. He doesn't play humble. He plays, he plays a bit pushy all the time. But I'm not sure if that's an actor or if that is actually him. The guests who were fined £100 for a bad TripAdvisor review for the Broadway Hotel in Blackpool. It's, uh, they hated it. They absolutely hated it. So they wrote a bad review and the hotel charged their credit card £100. And now trading standards are investigating. My advice is, uh, if you do go there, make sure you don't, well, don't give them a credit card. Pay cash. So much easier. Don't you give a credit card, though. They just sort of put, put it on there. Because it's £100, they should better get the money back quite easily. Andrew Morris. I'm assuming that the people who voted caravanners as the worst on the road have never encountered... Ah, oh, that was the same company again that I was with this morning. So there you go, Andrew. You really need to change your front-page picture. I mean, honestly, it's embarrassing for you. I feel embarrassing, you know. I mean, I'm assuming this was taken some time ago when you thought your body looked its best. It's obviously not happening. <laughs> Especially as you go further into the pictures. Um, another one here. Uh, John says, we love opinionated... A lot of people said that uh, for this one. So just, just going back to this, this hotel, I don't know whether I believe everything that's on TripAdvisor anyway, but it's the best thing that we have. John Warrington, as he's a travel agent, will tell you that there is, um, there is a, um, a travel agency guide, which is the best guide ever, so, and, but they keep it under the counter. I can't remember what it's called, but whatever it is, it will tell you the honest truth. So if they say, moments from the beach... It'll be sort of like, you know, a cab ride or something like that. It tells you all the exact things. You know, lovely outlook, overlooks the sewage works, that kind of thing. So here is the hotel, laughingly called hotel. It's in Blackpool. Um, and uh, Tony and Janice Jenkinson found that after they'd uh, written a review describing the place as a stinking hovel, a little, little bit dramatic, I thought, stinking hovel, um, uh, the Broadway's booking document states, this is the hotel, uh, whilst repeat customers love our hotel, your friends and family may not. For every bad review left on any website, the group organiser will be charged a maximum of £100 per review. TripAdvisor ranks the hotel as 858 out of 894 hotels in Blackpool. In other words, it's a stinking hovel. OK. One reviewer described the accommodation as like a prisoner camp. Another complained of staff drinking cans of Strongbow while serving breakfast. It does sound like Faulty Towers, doesn't it? Photos on the site show apparently mouldy walls and stained carpets. Councillor John McCreesh says people shouldn't have, uh, should have the right to vent their disappointment if a hotel did not meet their expectations and should not be prevented. The Broadway's manager was unavailable for comment last night. Well, if you're going to stay at the Broadway Hotel, more fool you, eh? But if you're going to go there, don't offer them a credit card because they'll charge £100. So pay cash. Say, so don't have any credit cards, mate. I've only got cash. Then you can go and slag them off afterwards because I'm, I'm confidently predicting that this is the worst publicity they're ever going to get. I mean, because before today, I'd never heard of the Broadway Hotel and I suspect you had never heard of the Broadway Hotel either. So they, they brought... You know, a lot of uh, bad, bad reviews on their own shoulders. Shame in it, really, for them. Well, not really, when, you, when you've seen the place. I've, I've never stayed there, so I don't know. However, I have looked at the pictures of the outside, and it wouldn't be the sort of place I'd be staying in. Gary, good morning. So Gary's up this morning, which is nice. I like it when people get up early, because it's not really that early. It's a good time. I mean, because I've got an interview today, um, 
I, uh, I'm going to be back home early. Because remember, on Monday, we had Shirley Bassey in. And that was, that was a fairly late day by my standards. In fact, it was a very late day by my standards. And uh, then yesterday was quite nice with Hugh Bonneville. I got home at about 12 o'clock, I think, which was lovely, which was quite nice. I felt as though it was a half a day, really. Tomorrow it will. Tomorrow, t- tomorrow it will be a half a day, because when I finish doing the programme in the morning, I've got no more recordings this week. I've got one, one uh, interview to do today. And uh, then for this weekend, who are we running this weekend? It's going to be Hugh, Hugh Bonneville. Who's the other guest we've got for this weekend? I can't remember, actually. Let me just have a quick quick check on my little list, because I, um, they've sent me the, uh, the links for this weekend. I knew that Hugh, Hugh Bonneville, because it's absolutely right, because he's talking about Paddington, which comes out next week. Oh, it's Elijah Wood. Oh, that's a good, that's a very good interview. That's, they're all very good interviews. I don't say that, actually, for my own sake. I say it for the guests' sake, because the, the guests uh, are very, very good. Very, very good. So, Hugh Bonneville, Mr Brown in Paddington Bear, and Elijah Wood in the movie Set Fire to the Stars. And, again, we've, we, we have a lot in... It's amazing what you think of. The only thing I mentioned about Elijah Wood was the fact that he's so tiny... I mean, he really is tiny. He's, he's, when he, he got off the chair, I seriously thought he'd vanished in the studio. <laughs> well, compared to me, everybody's, everybody's tiny, I'm afraid. Uh, other stories which are in the, uh, the papers for today. Uh, the junk food diet, which leads to memory loss. Go on, I'll give, you a, I'll give you a guess as to which paper you think's done that one. Yeah, the Express. Uh, the caravan driver's the worst on the road. I, th- I don't think they're necessarily... The, it depends whether you're following a convoy of them. Um, Emma says, I believe Gemma Collins used to sell cars. Uh, <laughs> really? God. She can't be much cop at it, can she? Uh, my dad uh, sadly died three months ago. And suddenly, oh, suddenly. Dad died three months ago, suddenly. Oh, it's always the worst, isn't it? That's always the worst. At least, at least, Emma, if, if somebody's got an illness, you're sort of preparing yourself for it. If it just happens, my father died very quickly. Very quickly. I remember, I, I, could, tell, I could tell you, I could take you back to the night like that. You, you never forget it, even though it was a long, long time ago now. We'd had an LBC party. An LBC party, which was where, because the overnight programmes on LBC have been so, so uh, busy and so, so loyal audience, we used to have LBC get-togethers. You know, it's, it's very interesting uh, when you sort of look at... All the listeners to the, the programmes, the overnight listeners, would be among the most loyal. So we had a party. We'd had various ones. We'd use the CAA. And, uh, and then the Strand Palace Hotel came up. And so 600 people turned up. And we had a disco and a chat and a bar. And we had some nibbles. And it was fantastic. Um, it, it, was, it was really fantastic. And then at the end of the, at the, end of the party, I'd sort of, I was taking four friends home. Because they all lived out West London. So I had a little mini at the time. How times have changed. And I had the little mini. And so all of us pile into the mini. And I'm pootling back. And we get in. Uh, I, I, I get near, near to my place. And somebody said, can we use the toilet? We need to use the toilet. So I said, OK, use the toilet. So we pile into my place. And in those days, I used to have an answer phone. Um, I don't know why, because I don't have an answer phone. I've got an answer phone on my telephone. And so the answer phone was on. And there was, it was flashing with, with a message. And so I play, play the message back, and it was a woman from St Stephen's Hospital, a nurse. And the message went, oh, hello, Stephen, uh, this is nurse so-and-so from St Stephen's Hospital, just to tell you your father's just died. 
That that was the message. That was the message. Can you call me on this number? So, of course, I've got four people there who are queuing up to use the bathroom, all a bit worse for wear, going, yeah, all this kind of stuff. And me, I've sort of, I've now gone into a different world. So I know what you mean, Emma, uh, because we weren't expecting it at all. So I then said to them, you'll have to come back into town again. <laughs> so we all went back into town again. Had to find the hospital, which was which was quite easy. And then they all went their, their separate ways. So I'd taken them out to West London, then back in again. I mean, we had to laugh at it. We had to laugh at the, at the, at the irony of the whole thing. It was, it, was, it was a very, very odd night. So I know how you feel. I know how you feel, Emma. It's, it's raw. But the good thing is, and I know it sounds odd, whenever sort of somebody dies, people say, oh, you will get over it. You don't want to get over it. Why would you want to get over it? You know, it's your dad or your mum or your auntie or your brother or your sister or your cousin. You don't want to get over it. You know, people don't know what to say, do they? When, when, when somebody dies and, you know, three months, it'll still be, still be pretty raw, I should imagine. And it will stay like that for ages. You'll always remember. You'll have moments. You'll have moments where, you know, you won't think about it at all and then you have another moment where you'll go, oh, gosh, I remember everything. And you remember little bits. Oh, no, I never want to forget. Good God, no, that would be the, that would be the worst thing. That would be the worst thing to ever forget. So I, I, I would never do anything like that. As I say, I remember it as if it were yesterday and it was uh, a long, long time ago. I love a big dipper. Thank you. I just thought I'd mention that now. That's my uh, my statement for this morning. Uh, this is a new one. It's gone up in Orlando, Florida. Well, it will by 2016. They're building it at the moment. And it's going to go 570 feet. 570 feet in the air. It's a 65 mile an hour, four minute white knuckle ride. Now, it's a huge tower and it will go, it'll, it goes all the way round the tower and then goes round a hotel... It looks a bit frightening to me, but I bet you anything people will be booking for it because roller coaster clubs all over the world cannot wait. There's a roller coaster. Go to YouTube, type in world's biggest roller coaster. And I think it's something in Japan. And it goes up. Oh, God, it looks enormous. It looks absolutely enormous. And what they've actually done is put a camera on the front of the car. So it gets to the top and you cannot see the drop until the car goes over the top. And then you look at it and you're even even watching it on YouTube. Your heart is in your mouth. So this record-breaking ride stands at 570 feet. 570 feet. It sounds fantastic, doesn't it? I'm, I'm almost tempted to book for it myself. I'm almost tempted to sort of get there thinking, I don't know, would I want to go on this? Yes. I didn't even get to go on the one in Blackpool. We did go to Blackpool, as you know. And I, couldn't be, I can't be bothered to queue for these things. We bought, a, we bought a wristband, but in the end I looked at it and I thought, you know, I really can't be bothered. But the best place for them appears to be America, where they build the biggest rides. And this one will be cutting edge with one adrenaline fueled thrill after the next. I mean, the current highest, I think, is uh, King Dakar in New Jersey. That's 456 feet, and this one's 470 feet. I mean, how much bigger can these things get? The answer is a whole lot bigger, but it's got to be safe. If you see on some of them, you know, if, when, if, if the car breaks down, you have to get out and walk down a plank. Down, the, Well, I mean, even, even looking at the little walkway thing, I felt physically ill. Morning, everybody. It's uh, 5.20. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast. Uh, Malcolm says, I'm 73, Blackpool born and bred, and totally agree with everything you say about the place. Well, actually, I mean, I hadn't been to it before. A friend of mine does a does a program on a on a on another radio station, and uh, he sent me a text saying I laughed so much when you were talking about Blackpool because I was I was quite traumatised by the place, quite traumatised by it. It's the only place I've ever been to where nobody wears any clothes. When I say nobody wears any clothes, 
people queuing outside nightclubs, girls standing there with a packet of fags in their bra and their wallet in their knickers or their purse in their knickers. That was about as, as good as it got. It was freezing cold. It was middle of winter we went there. And I remember thinking at the time, don't people possess coats? And, of course, coats hold up the proceedings, don't they? You don't want to have to queue for the cloakroom. You don't want to go into a nightclub. You've queued for hours to get in, which I would never do. And then when you get inside, they go, the queue for the cloakroom's over there. They think, oh, goodness sake. It was only the sort of the real wet, the wet people who had a coat at the time. Uh, I have seen the Sainsbury's advert. I don't like it. But there again, you see, I don't think you should ever use a war situation to advertise chocolate. That's just my personal opinion. I think it's beautifully shot. I just wish they hadn't... You know, if somebody had made it as a little film, that would be fine. I just object to it being linked to Christmas, I'm afraid. Um, <laughs> 84850, uh as we shall read everything, everything about... Everybody on the programme. Uh, Martin says, I thought when you put a review on TripAdvisor, you invent a username. This would have nothing to do with the hotels. How would the hotel know who wrote the review to charge them? Well, I think they must have put their name on it. Perhaps they didn't have a username. Perhaps, you know, some people don't have usernames. Some people actually use their own name. I know it seems a bit bizarre. I know it seems a bit uh, bizarre. Seven bad reviews for November so far for the Broadway, Steve. I've just checked. So the Broadway must be making some money. Yet yeah, at £100 a time, they're making double the room rate, or nearly quadruple, or nearly triple what the room rate is. I think their room rate was £38, so it's really like market. <laughs> Do you think people are going to be driving past, pointing and waving, going, Hello, naff. <laughs> but then if you pay £38 for a room for a hotel, what do you expect? What do you expect? You look at some of these luxurious places... In the world, and they go, room rate per night is £6,700. And that's cheap for some hotels. It seriously is. I mean, some of them, the suites, you know, can be £20,000 a night. £40,000 a night. More than that. So if you're spending £38 on a room for the night, you're not going to be getting exactly very much, are you? You're going to be getting a bed, but I should imagine, as they do on four in a bed, when they strip them, what they do, they, they go into these rooms... And they go, thank you, and they go, have a nice stay. They, so they all do it round all their places, hence four in a bed. And, uh, and then they, they take the sheets off, and they check the state of the mattress. And then they go into the bathroom, and they check the plug hole, and they check, they check everything. And so, in other words, unless it's absolutely pristine, they mark them down, and yet they've all got dirty places. You know, unless it's absolutely brand spanking new, and you've really got tip-top cleaners, you might as well go around with a cotton bud around the edges of the bath. Ridiculous. Ridiculous. Uh, 84850-steve-at-lbc.co.uk. Emma, thank you very much indeed. She said, finally, somebody who understands exactly how I feel. Listen, I mean, I've told people countless times. I can remember, the, and it, it, because it happened to me twice. Well, quite, quite a few times. We went back to the same crematorium, Emma, three times. Four times. In the end, I was on nodding terms with the staff there. I began to feel a bit guilty that I had something to do with these people's deaths. But, uh, but that, that's the only thing you can be certain of in life. You live, at some point, you're going to die, and it's going to be sad for all the people who are left. That's, that's the worst thing, isn't it? I remember thinking, after my mum died, I then thought, after, yes, no, my dad died first, then my mum died. And when my mum died, I thought, oh, God, I'm an orphan. I'm an orphan. Because all of a sudden, you don't have any parents, and everybody at work is talking about their parents, you think, oh, I don't have any parents anymore. I don't have any parents. But I like to think they'd be looking down, and my mum certainly would be listening to LBC, because that was the thing that got her through. It absolutely got the throw. I know a lot of people who've been bereaved and uh, they don't want to listen to music overnight, you know, which is sometimes your, your worst period. That's when you feel pretty icky about things and, you just, and your mind starts racing around and you feel lonely. And that's why people listen to LBC. 
because it's it's a, a live voice. That's what that's what they're listening for. Uh, eight for eight five zero. Steve at lbc.co.uk. I never watch the uh, celebrity reality shows, Steve, but I'm hooked on the jungle one just to watch Gemma Collins suffer. Is that cruel? George in Bogner. Yes, it is. It is so cruel, but so funny. That's the whole idea of the jungle. The whole idea is ritual humiliation. There's nothing the matter with that. That's called entertainment in this country. The Japanese have been doing it for ages. You've seen their endurance shows on the television, and that's why we want Gemma Collins to suffer. We wanted the other girl to suffer, didn't we? Helen Flanagan. So she got booked for every uh, every Bush Tucker trial. I still predict that Gemma Collins will come out of the jungle early. Because they'll be looking, apart from the fact she'll be starving to death. At the moment, I mean, she's, she's hardly looking emaciated, is she? And let's face it, there's enough, there's enough blubber on her to keep her going for about a year, I should imagine, without eating anything at all. And so I predict she will come out, she'll sit in the hotel, and then she'll do the sob-sob story. The winner, of course, never gets too much publicity on the programmes, except when they come and talk to Steve Allen. But George says, I've never seen such a big baby. Um, well, I know. I mean, she's... But have you noticed, though, she's only concerned with herself. She's not remotely interested at all in in anybody else's life. She's only interested in talking about herself and how, how tough life is and how difficult. I thought, you've got no idea what difficulties is. You know, difficulty is. Have you got a house with central heating and a kitchen and hot and cold running water? And you think you're hard done by? Pfft, I want to come out to the real world. Some hotel, says Les, in Barbados, charge $20,000 a night. Yes, I know somebody who's got, um, who's got a hotel in Barbados, which is uh, very expensive. I don't know whether it'd be $20,000 a night. But, I mean, if, if you're in the super-rich bracket, and many people are, 20000 you wouldn't think about it. So you do a week there or two weeks there, that's £200,000. If you've got a fortune of, say, $3 billion, why would you worry about that? You wouldn't worry about that at all. It's like, you know, going into restaurants and they say, and uh, this steak in here is £120. You think, well, what sort of steak is worth £120? I've had some very, very good steaks in, in places. But, you know, people want to spend a lot of money. Sometimes, that's why. Do you remember when we mentioned the best mince pies in a survey were Iceland? Iceland's mince pies. I go in there yesterday to try and buy them. Six for pound fifty. Six mince pies. Betty's of Harrogate, who do top mince pies and is a, is a super establishment. And I, I must go for tea one day because it's kind of like, it's the old lady place, isn't it? It's, it looks wonderful to me. Their mince pies, I think, are £10 for six. I don't know how you justify £10 for six. But anyway, in the taste test by the Good Housekeeping Institute, who do these things, and they're, they're very rigorous. They want to test everything on a mince pie, from the pastry to the filling, everything, everything to do with it. And uh, Betty's didn't win. Harrods didn't win. Iceland won. pound fifty. I defy anybody. I brought a box in. And I had one. Admittedly, there was so much sugar in it, it sent me th- through the ceiling. But it was good fun going there. I enjoyed it. I took a feather duster with me when I went. And, and I managed to sort of keep it together. I go in there yesterday and the day before and the day before that to try and find these mince pies. And the girl on the till, who is suffering really quite badly with a cold at the moment, uh, Rani, said... She said, ever since you've mentioned it on the radio, she said, we haven't had any mince pies. <laughs> I said, are you going to get any inches? She said, I don't think so, no. They've got other mince pies, but who wants those when, they, when they've got the best mince pies? At £1.50. And, um, and now they don't have any because the word has spread and people want, people want the best mince pies. And in good housekeeping, that's, that's them. They are the best ones. Um, Stephen Crawley says, you should have hot water for £38. Yeah, but running down the inside of the wall in the hotel... 
They do have signs outside the hotels in, in Blackpool that go, um, central heating to all bedrooms. As if that was a big deal. Hot and cold running water. You know, evening meal. And yet all the flowers outside are plastic. It's really tacky. It's, I mean, it really, it, it, I suppose it could be nice. But I think over the years, it's sort of gone so down market, it's now only sort of a very, very sort of chavvy place for people to go to. You know, I want, I mean, £38 for a room for the night. I'd be very surprised. Actually, talking of uh, people with money, there is uh, a story in the Mirror today. They're, they're running, because I think we celebrate 20 years of the lottery, and there's a couple here who won £12.4 the first Christmas that they'd ever had off work, so they took 18 people to Jamaica. Uh, they lost their niece. She died in a hospice, and they were in the hospice, and they said, if ever we won any money, we would give give to the hospice, because they do such good work. And they do. My mother died in a hospice, and uh, my father died in the ambulance, sadly, so we didn't, we didn't get to that stage. But they talk about uh, exactly what they've done with their money. They've got a nice house. They're very happy. He's actually put on a bit of weight, because I suppose if you don't work, there is that danger. Although we actually work, and we, we've put on a bit of weight, haven't we? A little bit... Uh, no, just me again? Just me again? Yeah, no, nothing. I was just saying, you know, I've put on a little bit of weight. Didn't want to include you in that. Producer's a little bit bigger than I am. Um, a little bit. Seriously, only, there's hardly anything in it, is there, really? <laughs> right. Anyway, so they, he's put on weight. <laughs> About twice, he reckons. I don't think it's twice. I don't think... How much do you weigh? Actually, I just, no, don't... don't, don't oh, you're not going to tell me. I'm not going to tell you on radio, he goes. <laughs> Why not? Bells of Scotland pies, Steve, says Gary. Bells of Scotland pies. Oh, right. That sounds like a whiskey pie, doesn't it, really? Could it, could it be considered a whiskey pie? I like that sort of thing. Uh, 84850. I'll tell you what I got the other day. I got purple sprouts. Have you seen Purple Sprouts? I got given two Purple Sprouts by Paul Cooper. He said, I was saving them for you on Saturday. He said, but you never came in on Saturday. Uh, Paul says, I've just looked at the pictures on TripAdvisor of the Broadway Hotel. I knew there'd be the the one winning story this morning. And this hotel should be closed by the environmental health people. (laughs) I must have a look, actually, myself. Uh, As a demolition expert, says Howard, I will be contacting the Broadway Hotel to ask them. I'll demolish the hotel for free. Oh, you know, if you do, for goodness sake, can you let me know what they say? I quite fancy the idea that somebody could write and say, I'm a demolition expert, (laughs) would you like it destroyed? (laughs) This is the hotel, in case you've just woken up, that uh, a couple wrote a bad review. They said it was absolutely ghastly. A a tip, a hovel, and they got charged £100 by the hotel because they wrote a bad review. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to have your company. Welcome along to Wednesday morning on LBC. So the couple here who scooped millions, but sadly, there's some things they just couldn't buy. Uh, 20 years in lotto numbers. 3,700 millionaires have been created. Uh, 95% of winners give money away to family, 87% to charity, 70% to friends. Because that's what you would do. I think everybody does roughly the same. When you win the lottery, if you win a a big amount, uh, you buy a car, you change your house. uh, Depending on how much it is, you give up your job. And then you decide which family and friends you're going to be helping out. And then you give to charity and then you invest your money. And then you sit back and you don't work for the rest of your life. But you've got to keep yourself busy. You've got to keep yourself busy. 21% of winners bought boob jobs. Well, if you're listening, Brian, I hope you're very happy with it. Uh, 6% a racehorse and 4 bought football clubs. Uh, uh, somebody bought uh, a narrow boat, a fireworks firm, a guide dog and a new pair of hips for the wife. I mean, the things people buy, isn't it? It's very odd. Very odd. 32 billion 
has been raised for good causes from the National Lottery. 700 playing fields have been saved by lottery funding and 57,000 World War II veterans have been on commemorative visits thanks to funds from the National Lottery. Uh, so that's good, isn't it? 70% of adults in the UK play the lottery on a regular basis. Because we all want to win, don't we? Nobody wants to win, you know, like, sort of 30 quid or 40 quid. You really don't. You want to win 12 million. 12 million would change your life. 11 million would change... 10 million would change your life. Depending how old you're. If you're 96, you know, 12 million's not going to really make too much difference to you. So they scoop the millions... And this is the uh, the lotto couple. I think when people do good, there was one other couple who in the paper the other day, and they gave away a lot of money. In fact, when they actually got it, I think they just gave away most of it, and they had they had a tremendous time doing it. Some people really thrive on that kind of thing, and I think that's that's nice. I think you have to. I think you have to give away, definitely. Um, why did Bob Geldof not call the revised version Heal the World? Well, I've got no idea. I did see the episode of Motorway Cops where the female officer stopped a small family car. Eleven children were in it. Four of them in the boot. Four of them in the boot. Um, another one here. Says, I'd like to know what time you go to bed. You mind your own business. Got nothing to do with you. Uh, maybe the Broadway should send for Alex Pulitzi, the hotel inspector. She could advise them on how to improve it. You can't, you could, anything to improve it would be to pull it down which has been recommended by quite a number of you who've been on to, uh, to the website to have a look. Uh, I have seen the story about Peter Andre. I tweeted about it yesterday. This is Peter Andre, who goes on to Celebrity Juice. Now, bearing in mind, we've had issues with Peter Andre before. He's very sweet, but he's not the brightest penny in the box. For a 40-year-old man, he's quite simple. In fact, he's very simple. And so he goes on Celebrity Juice, and somebody talks about their most embarrassing moment. And Pete says something along the lines of, oh, think yourself lucky. I, I did the Iceland ads. And everybody went, what? Should you be saying that? The company that pays him, presumably he's banked the cheque. He obviously thinks that it's embarrassing to do something for Iceland. I'm hoping that Iceland are going to drop him immediately or he's going to issue a public apology. Because, to be honest with you, you can't be that stupid in this day and age, can you? So Iceland go to him and they go, you know, probably with some negotiating with his very good agent. And they go, we'd like it so... And Pete goes to Iceland. Can you sell his album as well? Yeah, we must. And so they very bravely put it on the shelves. I went there the other day. Still there. All of them. And, um, and then he goes on the television and basically says that it's an embarrassment doing these ads for Iceland. So presumably all you poor Iceland shoppers out there, Peter Andre thinks you're dumb. He thinks you're a bit stupid, a bit of an embarrassment doing an ad for Iceland. But as everybody's pointed out on all the Twitter pages, he's more than happy to take the golden shilling from them. Probably just doesn't want to shop there, I should imagine. Shame, you know, that he's sort of decided to dis Iceland, because I think they're really good. Got the happiest staff I've ever seen. Seriously, they're really happy staff. Very, very happy staff. Supposed to be a really, really super company to work for. But, you know, for him to go on television and say that, and you think, did you not realise you were on television? We know you spend a lot of time doing your hair and makeup, Peter, but, you know, don't bite the hand that feeds. Won't be there next time round. OK. The story which is going to upset a lot of people today is on the front of the Telegraph. Um, a retired magistrate believes that an eight-year-old boy was abducted and killed by a Westminster paedophile ring. Uh, this is um, a little boy called Vishal... Uh, Mahotra. He was eight when he vanished. Somebody phoned his uh, father and said uh, that he may have been taken by paedophiles in the Elm Guest House, which was near Barnes Common. 
He said there were very likely and very highly placed people there. He talked about judges and politicians. He phoned the father of this little boy. Um, uh, Mr Mahotra, who's a solicitor, who was a JP at Wimbledon Magistrates course, uh, Court until retiring in 2006, claims the man said he'd already informed the police about activities at the guest house, but had received no response, bearing in mind that Vishal, his son, had disappeared. He says, at the time... I trusted the police, but when nothing happened, I became confused and concerned. I recorded the whole 15-minute conversation, took it to the police, but instead of investigating, they poo-pooed it. In February of 1982, part of Vishal's skeleton, his little eight-year-old boy, was found in a wood in West Sussex. There was no trace of his legs, his pelvis or his lower spine, nor of his outer clothes, his sleeveless vest or his Superman underpants. At the inquest into his death, the West Sussex coroner, Mark Calvert-Lee, recorded an open verdict but said foul play was likely. Police interviewed 20,000 people, half of them in nearby Putney, and 6,000 properties were checked. Mr Mahotra, now 69 and living in West Molsey, near Hampton Court, said he'd hardly been contacted by police in the intervening years. In June 82, four months after Vishal's remains were found, police raided the Elm Guest House. Dozens of men were questioned reportedly, including at least 30 who were prominent in public life and business. It was widely reported at the time that the links uh, and the raids were linked to the information which the police had received. But no indication as to how this, this little boy died. It's, I mean, it's absolutely heartbreaking. Absolutely. And they, 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 want, they have questions. They want to know. They want to know. Exactly. There's another one, Martin Allen, who was missing since Guy Fawkes Night, 1979, whose body has never been discovered, the son of a chauffeur to the Australian High Commission, last seen waving goodbye to a school friend at King's Cross. I mean, I find it absolutely unbelievable. I mean, is it because it's, it's too old or it's because it's so vague in some cases? We had a, a young man, didn't we? Not a young man now, but he was a young man at the time, and he claimed to have been sexually abused from the age of, I think it was about 11, taken by a car to this flat in a well-known block in London where he discovered years later the person who was abusing him was a prominent Tory MP. Why has this person not been questioned? Is it because the police need to find more evidence? Is it because they haven't got everything in place that they need? He also claims he saw a young boy being murdered. Well, if you can lose this little eight-year-old boy, Vishal, and then they can find his body years later and he's got parts of him missing, I mean, this isn't just a paedophile ring, if this is what it is. This could be, and I, I don't know whether or not wild animals would, would take things like that. I really don't know. But I'm just thinking, if this is a paedophile ring, this is even more than a paedophile ring, and yet still has been uh, still covered up. And this man claims that Scotland Yard covered it up. Now, whether or not, and it's now being investigated in Rotherham, isn't it? Are there not ten police officers there who were told information but did nothing? There were 13, I think, originally, police officers. Uh, ten of them are being investigated over claims that they did nothing. This went on for years in Rotherham. There is one girl who's in uh, one of the papers today. They said, at the age of 13, at the age of 13, she's been... Um, Sex texting, they say more than 200 men. More than two... They, they've actually said you could fill a prison with the amount of people that, sh that she knew and was talking to online at the age of 13. And yet nothing was, was done about it. Absolutely nothing was done about it. And you begin to wonder whether or not it was either a giant cover-up from top 
all the way down to the bottom, or failing that, these people made it up. But I just don't believe that these people make it up all the time. It really isn't that that difficult. We, we've seen some of the, the contacts that people have put on the television where they've actually said, you know, here is, here is the conversation. It's monitored by police as much of the time as they can, but it's, a, it's obviously a huge problem. It's obviously a huge, huge problem where they'll have police officers sitting there pretending to be a 13-year-old girl talking to uh, men who are pretending to be 14-year-old boys... And they have these conversations and they try and draw them out and then they try and get the girls to perform acts. Now, in the case of some of the boys, they've been fairly successful. And some boys have been threatened with exposure by these people who operate out of this country. And uh, they get them to do various things on the Internet. And then they say, either you send us some money or we're going to um, make this this public. And we've had a couple of cases, a couple of cases of, of young men who've killed themselves because of the humiliation and the embarrassment. Terrible, really, isn't it? Quarter to six is uh, the time. I've got a long, energetic day ahead of me, Steve. And this is from um, Diana in Richmond. She said, great to hear you on a Gemma Collins role. I'm going to the Ideal Home Show Christmas special at Earl's Court. Gosh, I didn't even know it was on. You know, it was, I love things like that, a Christmas special. Years ago, she says, we trudge home, laden with free samples from these exhibitions. Not anymore. These days, nothing's given away. It'll be fun, though, seeing all the gadgets being demonstrated that we never knew we needed to make our lives easier. Hopefully, many seats for periodic rest for this old girl. Oh, you and me together, Diana. First thing I look for now, I go to an exhibition. Where are the seats? Where are the seats? I keep saying, Twickenham Town Centre, when you're sitting there looking at Sandy's lights... And it is literally like the national grid. If planes don't start landing in the high street, there's no justice. But I'm looking for seats. I want seats. I need to sit down. It's as simple as that. Quarter to six. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Ten to six is the time in case you're clock watching and you need to get to the station as fast as possible. Uh, I was down in Earl's Court helping a client set up for the Ideal Home Show. It is so Christmassy, says Neil. You'll love it. Lots of fake snow, Christmas trees, an ice skating rink. He says, I didn't realise what a big Gemma fan you were. <laughs> Laugh out loud. I think it's LOL, isn't it? Mind you, LOL can be all sorts of things nowadays. Karen's got a sprout tree. I like them on the sprouts. They're good, actually. She, 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 she sent me a picture of it, just to see what I think of it. It's lovely. It's very nice, isn't it? It's different. <laughs> Karen's in concert. That's all I can tell you. Further up the country they get, the madder. The madder, ladies and gentlemen. Um, tut, tut. Mr. Andre, hope Iceland drop him, says little Julie. Well, I don't think you... I mean, even if it was done as fun, you know, he's, he's basically said that he thinks that the Iceland ads are embarrassing. And uh, obviously the Iceland customers are pretty, pretty much in that same barrel. It's terrible, really, isn't it? I feel a bit guilty. A little bit guilty. Um, so, I mean, so poor old... Um, uh, Diana, going down to the Ideal Home Show. I can remember when you used to walk out the Ideal Home Show, you're right, you did have bags of stuff that you walked out with. But obviously not so anymore. Not so anymore. Uh, Noreen, Noreen, says, uh, I read that they finished removing the poppies. Yes, they did. It's, it's like a mud bath down there at the moment. We had an email so we can track our poppy, expected in January and February. Very slow post, is it, all of a sudden? Our Jan, currently in Cornwall, did some work there. No one does it like the Brits. No, oh, she loved it. She absolutely loved it, as did many, many people. Many, many people. They absolutely adore things like that. It's, it's something nice that you, can, that you can do, and you feel as though you're part of it, don't you? You feel as though you're actually part of that, that big creation, that big poppy field that went all the way round. And it certainly took off. 
in a very short space of time, it became the tourist attraction to go to. Make the most of Earl's Court, Steve. They're knocking it down in the new year, but don't want anybody to know about it. I know, it's housing, isn't it? It's housing. It, it is a bit, of a, a bit of a monster there, but it's obviously a hugely valuable site. I keep seeing things like that, these valuable sites where they've been dairies or whatever, and they knock them down. Next thing, up go housing estates. They, they're going in just over the, uh, over the road from Twickenham Station. But a two-bedroom flat, this is in Twickenham in London, starts at 550,000. Diana says, did I just hear no trains between Earls Court and Richmond? Oh, I don't know. We've had lots of problems on South West. That's the underground line, isn't it? Could you not get a bus from Richmond to go to Earls Court? Might be quicker. Or failing that, take the, uh, take the overground train to... I don't know where you go to for that. Somewhere in town and then get the underground back. But Earls Court and Richmond... Oh, God, you need to check that one. Definitely. I'm going in for my open-heart surgery, Steve, in a couple of, uh, a couple of hours' time. Feeling very positive... As I know, I'm going to be in very good hands. It'll be, they do it all the time. They do it all the time. Depends which hospital you're in. I don't know where you are, Jim. But uh, the ones in London are very, very good. They do it all the time. So you're having, are you having stents put in? Or are you having a heart valve replaced? Or are you having a new heart? What are you having? Because it'll, it'll be a long time, whatever it is. They normally start at about 8 o'clock in the morning for the surgery. You just hope they've got steady hands, but they're so brilliant at it. I mean, it's so, it's so clever now. It's moved on, hasn't it, really? Uh, any news on the A13 traffic at Barking, says Jamie? I don't know. We shall have a word with Andy McCall. He knows the answer to all of these things. And uh, Stephen Crawley says Peter Andre's got to be the worst. I didn't watch Juice because he was on it. I just can't watch him. Famous for living his life on telly. I know, but it's, it's, it's a bit sad for a 40-plus-year-old man. But, I mean, you shouldn't really be knocking the, uh, the company that actually buys you uh, a lifestyle you know, that's why Pete's gone to Iceland. He obviously got more money for getting his name above the title, you know. I still can't understand why Charles Manson... I mean, I'm actually amazed that Charles Manson, the mass murderer, is still alive. And who's the mad woman who's just 26 who's going to marry him? What is it with these women who want to write to mass killers? You know, people who've destroyed people's lives. And Charles Manson, who's... Uh, He's 80, or perhaps he'll die soon. That'll be a bit, uh, bit of luck there. He's incarcerated in uh, Cochrane in California. Uh, Burton, this is Elaine Burton, who calls herself Star. Oh, dear, it's just pathetic, isn't it, really? She says, it's going to happen. Y'all can know that it's true. That's what she talks like. Y'all can know that it's true. We're going to marry next month. I love him. I'm with him. He's a mass murderer. He's a mass... This is the man who, who told members of his family to kill pregnant actress Sharon Tate, the then-wife of Roman Polanski and four others. He was convicted by the joint responsibility rule, even though he was not present at the killings. He's serving a life sentence after his death sentence was commuted in 72 when the state of California abolished executions. Unbelievable, isn't it? I mean, it is absolutely unbelievable. And then you get people who write to people. In this country, people write to people that they've read about on the television, or they, they've sort of read it in the newspapers, and they think, oh, I'll write to that person, and these people write back, because they're, they're generally mentally ill, and they just want somebody, and then, in their case, he's 80, and she's 26, and they're going to get, going to get married. Hugh Bonneville, this coming weekend, for In Conversation. It's going to be fantastic, because he is starring as Mr Brown, father of the household. They've changed him a little bit. They've changed him a little bit in the Paddington film, and the reason they've changed him is they've made him a little bit more wary of Paddington. When sort of Paddington's there at the station, I can tell you this bit because it's a, it's a clip that's available on YouTube for, for quite, a lot of, uh, quite a lot of people who are Paddington Bear fans, and I include myself. 
Huge Paddington fan. I've got the Paddington Stife. I've got uh, the Paddington 3D picture. There's, a, there's an art gallery. And I can't remember what it's called straight off my head. But in, I bought it in um, Selfridges. I think it's called the Animation Art Gallery, and they had Paddington Limited Edition. It was, and I've got one. There's quite a number of famous people have actually got them. They weren't cheap. They were about, I think they might have been about £300 each, but it's Paddington, isn't it? It's one of the original drawings, and it's just, just wonderful. But anyway, he's, he's, he's now got the British Board of Film Censors in a bit of a dizzy. And so the marmalade-loving Paddington, uh, he, he got the live, he, he, he got actually a PG rating uh, from them, from the British Board of Film Classification, due to mild sex references and mild bad language. Yes, I know, it's Paddington. Even Michael Bond couldn't believe it. And uh, and the censors raised a red flag over a gay-friendly scene in which a man disguised as a woman is flirted with by another man, clearly worried that parents might want to keep their little darlings away. They've changed it. They've changed it a little bit now, and they've just put down the, uh, the, the mild sex references have been changed to innuendo and adding infrequent before mild bad language. It is Paddington, you know. It is Paddington. And, you know, you expect Paddington to be a bit racy-pacy, but they've gone to a lot of time and trouble to make sure that it appeals to the fans of Paddington Bear and doesn't destroy the myth. But he's, uh, he's all there. He's all there. And what did they act with? As Hugh Bonneville will tell me, this week it was a stick with a hat on it. I mean, you, the, the things these actors have to put themselves through, it's just absolutely unbelievable. A stick with a hat on it. I love it. It just, just makes me laugh, actually. Just makes, every time I think about it, it makes me laugh. And uh, so that'll be for this weekend in conversation, which is Sunday morning between 5 and 6 a.m., repeated between 9 and 10 of an evening. And the other guest is the fabulous Elijah Wood. So, uh, two giants, as they say. Hugh Bonneville, who was on very, very good form yesterday. Really very good form. And Elijah Wood. He's looking forward to a bit of rest, I should imagine, uh, over, over Christmas. And then, uh, then it's back to work February. Back to work February. And uh, Elijah Woods is starring in the movie Set Fire to the Stars. It's the story of Dylan Thomas. And that I think you will very much enjoy. So, uh, a lot in common with both our guests this week. Uh, more of your texts coming in. Uh... Uh, Frank says the uh, the uh, Sainsbury's un- uh, advertising is for sharing the full-length 320 Ed for the first time to raise funds and awareness. It's selling bars of chocolate, Frank. It's not for charity. That's, that's, the, that's sort of the underlying bit. It's selling Sainsbury's. It's selling chocolate. I'm surprised you don't know that, actually. They might have, they might have done it for the, uh, for, for the British Legion. It's still selling chocolate. It's like the Penguin advert, isn't it? I have seen the John Lewis Penguin advert. It's just an advert which is asking you to come and buy penguins in John Lewis and then shop for other things. Stories of child abuse, says Tom. Always left my mother desperately upset. The increase in frequency means she's almost always in a state of distress. When I reached 18, she told me about her childhood. She reported it in 1979. Nobody believed her because uh, she was abused by her father. He was caretaker at a girl's school. He was such a lovely man who just loved being around children. Mum forgave him and also forgave her mum for not believing. Good job he was already dead when mum told me. It's, it's, you know, it's absolutely enormous, this story now, on child abuse. You know, children who have now disappeared and uh, policemen who are being investigated and uh, hopefully politicians being investigated, many of whom are dead now. We all know about Cyril Smith. We know about the uh, the papers that were handed over. This is obviously even bigger than, than any of us can ever imagine. 
Freeze your chicken to avoid food poisoning. I'm not sure whether or not you could. That's what the Watchdog Cookery Advice Programme says over the bug that hits 500,000 Britons a year and kills 100. Can we have a song, please, for Christmas? That'd be nice, Bob. I'll just sort of appeal to you now. Just wondering, as we did yesterday, why there's nobody from Africa on the latest uh, Band-Aid single. Uh, anger at the BBC subtitles for a 96-year-old Irishman. I think they should have them for Christine Bleakley. Oh, yeah. You know, I think that'd be quite funny, actually. Somebody's got to sit down and translate things. Uh, celebs are sick of selfies. They certainly are. Will Smith's children, can't wait to read you this one, claim they have the power to control time. I do. It's coming up to the news at six o'clock. I'm Steve Allen. More is next. This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to have you company. It's Wednesday morning. It's LBC. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast. Freeze your chicken to avoid food poisoning. 300,000 uh, Britain. 500,000 were hit by this bug the other year. It kills 100 people. It kills 100 people. Why celebs are sick of the, uh, the selfie craze. Will Smith's children, who claim to have the power to control time. Charles Manson's going to get married to some mad person at the age of 26. The worst drivers on the road, caravan drivers. Yes, the people pulling those caravans. Uh, the disabled benefit cheat, I haven't got round to him actually yet, who chased shoplifters as a guard but was robbing you at the same time. And the life-size T-Rex, which goes on sale for Christmas. It's that uh, Hamaka Schlemaker catalogue, I think. I can't remember how you pronounce it, but it's a, a store in America. And they always have a fantastic catalogue. And you get a life-size T-Rex. It's a model. And it's about £64,000. And for that price, they will come round and somebody will assemble it for you. Where are you going to keep that in a council flat in Bermondsey? I've got no idea. But apparently it's very popular. This is the same Christmas catalogue. Every year they have bizarre items. They go for the bizarre and the unusual. I think last year and the year before it was a mini submarine. And they do all sorts of things. It's, it is the most unusual presence. I mean, who'd have ever thought of a, a life-size T-Rex and somebody comes and assembles £64,000? I wouldn't mind. I'd, be, I'd expect a live one for that, wouldn't you? This is only just a set of old bones. Uh, the Express today. Uh, Mrs Federer and why she stops at nothing to support tennis star Roger. Very common shouting, I think. We don't need that kind of thing, do we? Too much junk food can destroy the memory, a study has revealed... That's always the way, isn't it? That explains a lot of Peter Andre, I suppose. Do you imagine Peter actually cooks, or do you think he just gets takeaway pizza from Iceland? Or do you think he not shops at Iceland at all? House prices surge. £28,000. Largest leap for seven years. It's good if you've got property. If you've got property and you bought it some years ago, you, you probably bought it exactly at the right time. Because anybody buying in London, in any of the major cities around this green and pleasant Isle of ours, is in for a nasty shock. It's very, very expensive. Very, very expensive. When you look at half a million pounds for a small two-bedroom flat round our way, you can only realise that people in Manchester must be absolutely laughing, going, good grief, does anybody really pay that much money? They don't have much choice. They'll only, they'll only go as far as the market can go. The benefits cheat is Kevin Baker, 45. Um, he actually claimed he could barely walk. He worked as a security guard. I mean, doesn't any, I did ask the question the other day, and I don't like to repeat myself that often. Um, but don't they check these people? So somebody claims that they can't walk. Should they not follow him and find out? Uh, for, I mean, he was working for three security firms over a five-year period. He bragged about being a martial arts expert. He impressed bosses with his ability to catch fleet-footed shoplifters. 
And he was claiming he could barely walk, and he, he ripped us off to the tune of £52,000. Anyway, they've got a confiscation order against him. I mean, it's just absolutely unbelievable. He claimed 28000 incapacity benefit, £17,000 disability living allowance, and 6500 income support. He admitted the charges, claimed he was virtually unable to walk, and was concerned about falling over. Yes, I'd be more concerned about you falling over. No furniture in your house by the time we've finished. I love the idea they've got to try and get £52,000 back from him. He's thieved it. Take the telly, take the car, take everything. That's the only way round it. Why do these people get away with it? And nobody checks. Nowadays, I mean, I could understand it if we didn't have the internet. But because we've actually got the internet, you could probably put his name in and find all sorts of that. And they go, wait a minute, he's claiming he can't walk. He's working as a martial arts expert and a security guard. Surely somewhere alarm bells should have been ringing. Do you not think so? Oh, dear. Um, Mark's uh, recommending that Iceland drop old Peter Andre from their ads I bet they'll be thinking about it going really this isn't and speaking to his agent saying is he going to be saying things like this very often why doesn't he just sort of point the finger and laugh at our customers because they can only afford 89 pence for for their vegetables and stuff like that is that is that is that the way forward for Peter Andre perhaps he thinks it's hilarious I think, really, I mean, if I was running the company, I'd have him out immediately, take him off all the adverts. I'm sorry, he must be in breach of contract. Has to be, hasn't it? I would have thought. Could be wrong. Could be wrong. Um, 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 quickly, uh, more on the uh, the child abuse. Makes the front page of the papers this morning. The Daily Mail are running with Mylene Class, Redhead's Twitter jibe at Mylene. She was complaining about the mansion tax. I think she lives in a fairly big house. I think it would be worth a couple of million pounds. Uh, the freeze your chicken to avoid the food poisoning. Six in every ten chickens, six in every ten, sold by supermarkets, contain potentially lethal bugs. And most people don't cook it properly, do they? They don't cook chicken. And also what they then do is they, they cook it, then they put it back in the fridge again. They don't cover it. It's prone to picking up all sorts of uh, all sorts of problems. There's no copy of The Sun this morning. I don't know why. We didn't get one. Uh, Ollie Mann didn't get one. None of the other stations seem to get one either. Paul O'Grady is talking to the Mirror today about why celebs are sick of the selfie craze. Well, when I, ha- when I had Shirley Bassey in on Monday, she did her first selfie. She said, I've never done a selfie before. She's done her first selfie, so well done, Dame Shirley, who is now back safely ensconced. I think she flew off yesterday back to Monte Carlo. She was lovely. You'll hear that uh, nearer Christmas. She's got a new album out. Got a new album out. Uh, there's also there's more on that, that karate teacher. And Paula Grady has appealed to it. Please, could you all just get over your selfies? People have them, don't they? Whenever the, we have a, um, a premiere... In Leicester Square, there's people there with their phones, you know, take the phone, take a picture of me, please, take a picture of me with you, take a picture of you with me and with my friends. And so that's the latest thing. And, if you, and the more celebrities you can get, the better it is. Must be very difficult. Weather for today, misty start, bright or sunny intervals, scattered showers mainly during the morning. Most parts dry in the afternoon. Tonight, most parts dry, becoming misty. I like misty. I like misty. We have our Christmas lights up in Twickenham. I think they're being turned on this weekend. And But some shops have got them up already. Certainly Sandy's have, as he's now ablaze. It looks like, uh, it's like he's, he's determined to go as far over the top as our Stuart as he can do. So this year, four trees. I mean, dear me, I can't compete with four trees. Uh, tomorrow, any mist or fog patches will clear slowly during the morning. It should stay dry, with some bright or sunny intervals developing. The outlook Friday through Sunday. Friday, mostly dry, rain possible in the west by the evening. Some uncertainty for the weekend, probably often cloudy, with occasional rain, but fairly mild. Fairly mild. Telegraph for today on the front page. Free counselling for parents to rescue marriages. 
This is what uh, Ian Duncan Smith has said. The Work and Pensions Secretary said ministers would next year announce guidance for all health visitors on how to recognise and respond to the signs of relationship difficulties. I think perhaps they could start with the only way is Essex because nobody in there can manage to hold a relationship down at all. They're all they're all suffering quite quite badly, quite badly, which I think is actually quite funny. Eight four eight five zero Steve at LBC. .co.uk. Uh, I don't know how much the cowardly lion suit from The Wizard of Oz uh, went for. It was up in um, Los Angeles for auction, wasn't it? And we know that Napoleon's hat, Napoleon Bonaparte, was went for about 1.3 million. Um, another one here. Uh, Steve, does that mean no more chicken roasts? I think not. I think not. When I buy fresh chicken, I always freeze it, and I've worked on the theory it kills off any bacteria. No cooking... Cooking kills off the bacteria. High heat kills off... I don't think freezing kills off bacteria. I'm pretty certain it doesn't. Pretty certain. Uh, 84850, And Jackie's going to volunteer for the deinstallation of the poppies. I thought they finished now, haven't they? The deinstallation... What's the deinstallation? I thought they've taken them all out. <laughs> I thought they were all finished. Perhaps you'll be the only one standing there. Perhaps you're laying turf or something. Uh, 84850, steve at uk. Um, Barbara in Archway says, I work for Sainsbury's. The bar of chocolate costs a pound, of which 50 pence goes to the British Legion. It's selling chocolate. Hello? It's selling chocolate. It's selling chocolate. It was an act of war. These people, this is a sanitised advert. I'm not missing the point at all. It's not showing compassion in the face of wartime horror. It's so stupid. It's not showing that at all. What it's showing is a very sanitised version. These soldiers would have been on their last legs out there. They wouldn't be looking like they've just walked out of central casting in America. You know, all the pretty boys come to the front to be filmed now, thank you very much indeed. They'd be on their last legs. Their uniforms would be falling off their back. They've been frozen to death. And people go, oh, it's a pretty advert. It is a pretty advert. It's a piece of cinematic advertising. It's selling a bar of chocolate. That's all it is. It's selling a bar of chocolate. That's exactly what it is. 84850, uk, And uh, it's mitral valve repair. Oh, right. So that's that's where you're uh, you're going to have your, your heart done. OK, that'll be good. That'll be good. I've never heard of that. Mitral valve repair. It obviously sounds like some sort of valve in your heart that they just need to, to do again. And that, I suppose, involves opening you up. Oh, God, you'll have a lovely scar at the end of it, won't you? Ask them for cross-stitch. When they go back, ask cross-stitch. It always looks so much nicer later in the day. Uh, quarter past six. BC. Coming up this morning with Nick Ferrari and the team for breakfast on LBC at seven. Call Clegg is back. It's a Wednesday special. Normally Thursday, but it's a Wednesday special edition as the Deputy Prime Minister takes your calls. Plus, after the shocking case of the mum who smothered her three disabled children to death, Nick will be asking, how can we support parents so it doesn't happen again? And a special Dickensian report from Rochester. Join Nick Ferrari. At seven this morning, that's after the morning news with Lisa Aziz. David Wooding, Associate Political Editor of The Sun Sunday, will be looking at the papers for this morning, which is what we're finishing up for, just sort of quickly looking through the front pages, just so you know what's going on. So just to reiterate, the the Mirror have got a story about uh, two transplant patients who died after being given worm-infected and infested kidneys from an alcoholic already rejected by other hospitals. The parasite killing Darren Hughes, 42, and Robert Smart, 67. Darren's dad, Ian, claimed surgeons kept the donor's lifestyle secret before he gave consent. He said, I signed my son's death warrant. 
Uh, the male is running with the freeze the chicken to avoid the food poisoning, and uh, it's Class Wars. That's Mylene Class. The Daily Express junk food diet leads to memory loss. Uh, and Mylene giving Ed Miliband a taxing time. The Telegraph are running again with Mylene Class. Plus uh, M&S, who uh, are saying, ditch the Cardi, they're going big on denim. Oh. I quite like denim, actually. I don't have too much denim. I quite like a denim, a new denim jacket. The father who claims that Scotland Yard covered up his son's murder, this retired magistrate uh, who lives in West Molesey now, up just by Hampton Court near me, believes that his eight-year-old boy was abducted and killed by a Westminster paedophile ring. Uh, they did find his body, but it was minus uh, quite a number of limbs, and they had an open verdict, but foul play was likely. 20,000 people were investigated and interviewed nothing. Absolutely nothing came of it at all. So the father is now hoping that with more information coming out and more people coming forward, they might be able to find something else. The Metro's running with the hospitals which rejected this tramp's kidneys because he was an alcoholic, and yet one particular hospital actually took them. Actually took them. Uh, Also... Uh, in the paper. Why did I keep this one here? Oh, yes, it was the house prices. uh, Up 12%, the fastest in seven years. Uh, The places where they're going to, the house prices. If you go to uh, Yorkshire and Humber, average house price, 168,000. That was in last year. Now they're saying 177,000. Cheaper in the North East, 154,000 is the average price now. Uh, If you come down to London... There you go. See, this is represented by what they're selling around my way for. Uh, £508,000 is the average price of a flat. It seems ridiculous, doesn't it? Half a million pounds. But there again, we have multi-million pound properties here, the same as uh, other people have them around the rest of the uh, the country. Uh, the rapper smelling as a rat, smelling a rat as viewers force him to face his fear. This is Tinchy Strider, uh, who apparently is in I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here. As he entered the Chamber of Horrors trial to win food for his campmates, the 28-year-old show host told Anton Deck, I'm really scared of rats. I don't want no rats. I don't want any rats. God, dear, honestly, learn how to speak, for goodness sake. And why are we not voting for Gemma Collins to get the Bush Tucker trials? Far more entertaining than Tinchy Strider, who's lost any credibility in the music business now. I mean, how... But you've watched it once. Oh, they can't... Oh, because she's in the slammer, isn't she? Ah, you can't vote for her. As soon as she comes out, you vote for her. OK? As soon as you, you know, that's... I mean, I don't want to be cruel about it, but that is going to be very funny, isn't it? Let, let's try and sort of... I still think, actually, taking her up in the helicopter and putting on her a zip wire would be entertaining. Not that I think the zip wire would have held her. Uh, front page of the uh, Independent today, they're talking uh, about the criminal investigation into Russia and Qatar World Cups. Uh, inside is parental guidance for Paddington. I can't bear it says Michael Bond. I mean, it doesn't really seem possible, does it? But they've really gone to a lot of effort, so it comes with parental guidance. I think that the people who are going to watch it, it'll go over their head. It'll go over their head. Paddington does cross the divide. The Bob Marley family, the Bob Marley family, have signed a joint venture for a cannabis brand. So Bob Marley fans will soon be to buy cannabis products endorsed by the reggae musician after his family struck a deal with the US private equity firm to create a global Marley natural marijuana brand. I never thought I'd be living long enough to actually read a sentence like that. Uh, Diana says, blow it. 
I'm now going to have to get up and switch on the computer to check on this train problem to Earl's Court. Now, I'm glad I switched on to your programme to hear about it. It sounds as if it's the trains coming from the other direction out of Earl's Court. Yes. Could try cycling, couldn't you, actually? I, I don't know. <laughs> oh, dear. Eight four eight five zero. Filming in uh, Kingston Lane, Teddington, says Dell. Thank you. And uh, whilst we're banning selfies, says Nigel, can we ban the Muppets that go to football matches and fill every corner kick or throw on their phones? Just watch the game. Just watch the game. Oh, I've got to go. I've just realised I'm running out of time here. Look at that. I wonder why everybody was sitting down staring into the distance. I have to leave you. Uh, you can download my free podcast up in about 30 minutes' time. And then the uh, remainder of the programme will be up as well, probably around about the same time as well. We're working fast this morning. And I'll be back with you tomorrow morning on LBC between 4 and 6.30. Don't forget, you can listen to LBC whenever and wherever you like. If you download the LBC app, there is TuneIn Radio 2. And if you missed any of today's show, there is our fantastic podcast service. Coming up at 7 it's Nick Ferrari. Steve Allen resumes tomorrow morning at four. But next, Lisa Aziz with the morning news. This is LBC.